If you'd turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Matthew, uh, this morning we're going to talk about Jesus being king. I realize that um, most of you acknowledge that Jesus is your king this morning. Um, but I, this morning, what I want to talk about is the choice of him as your king. Uh, we struggle with this. And I want to share with you from the book of Matthew just a few verses about him being king. And I want you to picture yourself making this choice for him to be king. Uh, a permanent choice, a daily choice, a constant choice, both for this life and the life to come. I realize that most of you have already done that, and you acknowledge that this morning. And even as we sing, uh, it thrills your heart to sing about these things, that you don't bemoan the fact that he is the one to be crowned and the one that is your king. Uh, but to know that most of the world does not, this morning, uh, that they don't acknowledge Jesus as king. Most of our city does not acknowledge that Jesus is king. And I want you to anew and afresh, even this morning, to ask the question, do you really buy into the fact uh, that Jesus came as a baby uh, to be your king, to be your king? Let me pray for us and ask God's blessing on our time. God, um, I pray that as we are gathering around your word and considering your son this morning, uh, God, that you would uh, afresh give us a heart to be the subject of your son, Jesus, that we would love it, that we would rejoice again, that we would be filled with joy because the Savior has come and he is our king. God, may we see the importance of that and may we understand the implications of that for today and every day after that. God, thank you for this morning, for these who, those who have come. I ask that you would have a special blessing as we consider your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, many different kings in the world, isn't there? And many different choices. Uh, Americans, we love choices. In fact, we consider it a right to have choices. Uh, some of you will go out to lunch in the next week and you will exercise your right to choose. In fact, uh, you, you will emphatically, you, you'll be ordering something as simple as a burger and you will emphatically say, no mayo. Or I, I need this, but not this. That, that This is my right to choose. Uh, others of you will make a big deal <coughs> of You'll go get your coffee and you'll say, I want four pumps of this. I want soy instead of no, 2%. I know this is 1%. You put, I said 2%. Make it again. Uh, the, the emphatic of choosing. And most of us for, for that, it, it's, a, it's the idea of being in charge of our own destiny. Of saying, we will decide what we will participate in and what we won't participate in. And this morning as we look um, at who Jesus presents himself as in, in the book of Matthew, uh, you will see him as king. As we start in the book of Matthew chapter 1, and we've gone over 
these verses already, and uh, we've pointed these things out. Uh, even prior to the book of Matthew, you, you realize that in the Old Testament, there was a sense that the king is coming, that they longed and looked for the king that would be of the line of David. Over and over again in the Old Testament, uh, both God had promised from the line of David that his the, the king would come, but also they just longed and looked for. They hung on those promises. And then you see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, as he's going through the genealogy, uh, that one of the, the first things that Matthew records is that this son, this child that is to be born, that he is uh, from a family, and not just any family, and he's connected with people. But you look down at verse 6, And it makes this important point that would identify him as the king. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. He's going to be the one. He's the one. When you see a baby, it's interesting. Uh, They're so full of potential. You you don't know. As a parent or a grandparent, you look upon an infant and you go, I wonder what they're going to be when they get to be 20. I wonder what kind of man or woman they're going to be when they're 30 or 40. What are they, what, what's the end result? And as this child was born, you see that Matthew is connecting all the dots to pointing to him as being the king. That uh, they were looking forward to him. And now he's come. He's come as the king. Uh, you, you can imagine if we were Old Testament uh, saints that were looking forward to Jesus coming, the Messiah, and then we knew that he was here. Uh, what joy would fill us because we knew that this was the one that we were looking and longing for. And now he has come. So they looked for him. They, they looked forward to the king coming. And now he is here. Uh, he, the king came to earth. I want to point out something else. You look over at the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. You see this, and really this section talks about Herod, but it says this. Now, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men from the east came from Jerusalem. You look um, to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star and it rose and we have come to worship him. You, you go on to read about Herod. Herod was a king. Uh, you think about that and you go, uh, there's too many kings, right? There's the king that's been born king of the Jews. And Herod thought he was king of not just the Jews, but everybody. And you, you get this picture of competing kings. And I, I want to tell you that Herod is no big deal. In fact, there have been many Herods. In fact, there have been many kings. And Herod uh, was a real man, and these events really happened. But he is also a prop. He's a prop of the agenda and plan of Satan. He's just another one of those props. And let me explain it like this. If you follow on in chapter 2, you'll find that Herod... Uh, is deeply offended that there's another king. And immediately he goes into strategy mode of where can I find this king so I can wipe him out? 
And as time goes on, he realizes that he's even been fooled and sets, of course, another strategy so that he would be able to kill the king. Is Herod the king of kings? No, he's just a king. He's just another king wanting to be listened to, wanting to be uh, acknowledged as the supreme ruler. And this morning, as we think about Jesus being the king of kings, the, the, the king for us, what we need to think about is, who are the other kings? What, what, is, what are the other options, if you will? And I want to say it this way. There are other options. This morning, with your life that you're living right now, you don't have to follow after Jesus. You don't have to do it. There's no sense of now Jesus saying, you have to follow me. I think about that. And even as I say it, I go, is that right? Is that true? It is. We can reject him today. In fact, the, the picture of Herod, he rejected Jesus. And there have been many others, both kings and just common people who have rejected Jesus over the time. And there are presently people who are rejecting Jesus. You don't have to follow the king. And Herod's a a classic example, really a prop of Satan where he provides a different option to be king. As I think about that, it, it it doesn't seem right, and yet it's part of God's graciousness that He uh, allows other options, that He allows people to choose for themselves. And it's so difficult to talk about this. I know that there's a work of God that He compels us, and it seems like no other, like there's no other options, and I believe that. And yet at the same time, we see people walking away and and following after other kings. As I said before, it's kind of American that we could choose. And this morning, I want to tell you, in your choice, in your desire, in your choosing of a king, I want to present to you why you should choose Jesus. I I want you to think through in your mind what other king will be able to, to provide you with the leadership and love and compassion as Jesus. And so, you know, he was the one that they looked forward to. He's the one who came, identified as the king that came. And there were other kings, other kings. I want you to think through in your mind right now, what are the other kings of our day today? Who, who are the other ones that people follow? It's interesting, and I don't want to get political, but maybe it'll be helpful um, as you think through, I, I've heard people say this for years. He's not my president. He's not my president. And we refer to whoever happens to be the president of the United States at that time. And there's this attitude that says he may be president, but he's not my president. I follow someone else. And that's the attitude I want to talk to you about this morning. Who is it? Who is the one? That you would say, he is my king. He is my king. By my own choosing. I love being his subject. And this morning, um, we must consider who we are willing to follow. 
So there are other kings. The if you turn over to chapter twenty one, I want to I want to show you something. <coughs> and as I look at this, I realize that I've skipped many chapters, and I want to tell you uh, what you will find in those many chapters, and we will find as we go through them, is that speckled throughout the walking and the the steps, the footsteps of Jesus, you will see this: people needing help. People struggling both with health and spiritual issues and Jesus healing them, but not just healing them, but them acknowledging that he is the king. As you look at this, you look at chapter 21. And this is what um, we'll, we'll start at the beginning there of chapter 21 reading. And it says this. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage uh, to the Mount of Olives, Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying this. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, on a foal, on a beast of burden. You, you'll see as you go on in this passage that this was the triumphal entry. And they acknowledged him as king. They goes, there he is. There he is. An acknowledgement that Jesus is the king. This morning, as you think about who you are, that's what you need to be doing is there is my king. He is my king. There's an acknowledgement over and over again in the things that go on in your life and how he uh, is acting in your midst. That's my king. That's my king and I will follow him. Difficult passage because many of those who cried that that was the king that was coming bailed out on him in the days to come. This is not something that you say in an emotional way and you're excited about. And then when it comes to living for him and walking with him, you walk away. Over and over again in the book of Matthew, Jesus is acknowledged as the king. If you skip over to chapter 27, you'll see that Jesus also acknowledged that he was the king. It's interesting, it's kind of a um, passive agreement that Jesus makes in this uh, time of trial. But as you think about this, Jesus was allowing uh, his life that he lived, his, the prophecy that was fulfilled in him, all of this pointed to him being king, pushing it and, and, and making the conclusion, not by sense of declaration that he says, I am the king, but rather that everything had pointed to him being the king. And then you look and you see in chapter 27, uh, verse 11, it says this, This is before Pilate. This is part of his trial prior to his death. It says this. Now Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you have said so. 
you have said so. A confident yet clear picture. Yes, that's you've said it right. You've said it right who I am. Jesus acknowledged himself to be king. In all this, uh, what we're doing is we're seeing him to be king. We're seeing him to be king. But it really doesn't have anything to do with us yet, does it? It's just who he is. And, and I go back to that question. Is he your king? Is he the one that you follow after? Is he the one that you identify and acknowledge? Is he your king? And then we go uh, later in this same chapter to verse 29. And I'll show you that Jesus, the king, had a crown. Verse 27 says this. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him. They mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and they took the reed and struck him in the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on his own clothes and led him away to be crucified. I find it interesting um, that he wore a crown. He wore a crown. Uh, He was shown uh, a crown is for kings. And so they put one on his head and you say, well, what does that mean? I think that you could say it like this. That was his crown of the earth, of the earth. That that was the way he was identified down here as a king. And you say, was that? Um, I don't think I don't think those soldiers were acknowledging him as king. I think they were just mocking. I, I think they were just like Herod. I think they were rejectors of him as king. You say, well, what? Why do you think that? It's real simple. Because if they would have known him to be the king of kings, what would they have done? They would have said, I don't care what you want me to do. I'm not doing it. I'm not being a part of that. They were mocking. You see, once again, it shows the competing worlds are happening. That some are are acknowledging Jesus as king and others are standing back just mocking. And I want to ask you the question, uh, are they still mocking today? Yes, you know, you, you and I have mocked Jesus. You and I, there, there have been portions of our life where we stood at the sidelines and maybe mocked at him and said, I don't buy it. I don't buy it that you are who you say you are. There are many, many, maybe for some of you, there are family members, close people that you love that are mockers today of Jesus. Maybe you're anticipating even spending time with them in the next couple of weeks and it it causes you anxious thoughts and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to do it again. Mockers of Jesus. Find it interesting that even the mockers had some acknowledgement that Jesus was the king, even in their mocking. Um, So Jesus had a crown. The king had a crown. In this same chapter, chapter 27, I find this uh, to be uh, so interesting. Uh, 
as we see Jesus being presented as king, that there's an onlooking world that's mocking, and yet by God's own plan is somehow uh, being part of the validation of him being king. If you look down at, uh, starting at verse 27, I'm sorry, that's not right. Uh, Skipping down to verse 37. I'll start reading at verse 33, but it says this. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them, casting lots. Then they sat down uh, to keep watch over him. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus the king of the Jews. You read that and you say, well, it seems like they messed up. And in fact, other parallel accounts talk about that. Uh, that so, so you have a cross. You have a, a, a crucifixion going on. It's part of a, a judgment or a punishment that would come upon a man. And, and there would always be a charge. There would be a sense of describing so that those who come by would see what was wrong that caused him to have this punishment. This crucifixion is happening because of this. And what does it say? say? It says that he's the king. It says that he's the king. And so even in his death, even in his death, God made the point that he was the king. He was the king. Even the charge uh, that brought him to the cross revealed him to be king. This morning, um, why does all this matter? You should probably ask the question, why, you know, um, what's the big deal? I can choose, I can take or leave Jesus. Um, you know, there's plenty of people who seem like good people who are doing just fine. In fact, there's there's an attitude, especially in America and probably a lot of parts of Europe as well, is that you just kind of make your own thing. You believe what you want to believe and whatever's good for you, whatever works for you, makes you happy today. That's a great answer for you. And everyone just should leave everyone alone and everyone should decide for themselves what their life is like, who their king is, and everyone should be fine in the end. Well, why does it matter who your king is? Well, let's set that aside for a minute. Um, what is your life? What is your life? Where do you sit right now? Where, what do you need? What, are, are you a good person? Are you someone who's, who, who, when you um, think about the things that you have done and the things that you are doing, what are you? Are you an upstanding citizen? You know what? Um, the, the best way to describe us apart from Christ today is guilty. Is guilty. And you say, well, well, guilty of what? You want me to speculate? <laughs> You're probably guilty of pride. You're probably guilty of selfishness. You're probably guilty of perversion. 
You're probably guilty of lying and stealing. You're probably guilty of a myriad of other things that I can't even mention or remember. Or you can remember, but when somebody reminds you of them, you kind of say, yeah, that's probably true too. You're guilty. And you say, well, I thought we were just talking about Jesus being king. How do these things come together? Real simple. I want to bring these together. This is why it matters who your king is. Turn over to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to bring these things together for you. Hopefully. And if I don't, we'll stay here longer. Review. Review is just means the teacher didn't do a very good job. And so you got more to learn. Try again. Matthew chapter 9. I want to tell you about studying the Bible. Okay, just before we get rolling on Matthew chapter 9, it's kind of the conclusion of the message, but I want, to, I want to encourage you about this. When you read your Bible, when you read your Bible, you should ask this one question all the time. What do I learn about God? What do I learn about God? Is there something in there that I can learn and understand more about uh, what He does, who He is, and really the heart of God. Where, where is it found? What is it? Because uh, I, I want to tell you that the Bible is not written about people. It's the revelation of himself. And so even in his interactions with people, you've got to ask the question, what does it tell us about God? And specifically in this case, what does it tell us about our king? In Matthew chapter 9, Verse 35, ask this question. What does this reveal to us about Jesus? Verse 35 says this. um, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep. Without a shepherd. So the first verse I read. Talked about what Jesus did. What did he do? He went from city to city. He, he kind of went in an area with his disciples. And what did he do when he went? He taught. And what did he do? He healed. And he, he, he wiped out the problems that they had. And he did this to show that he was different, that he was their king. He was drawing them to himself. But that next verse tells us something about Jesus. That, that tells us about what he did. But the next verse tells us about who Jesus is. It says this, verse 36. Look down at it, please. It says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. And I'll say it this way. um, When he looks at you, he has compassion for you. Another word can be put in there of the idea of mercy. He's compassionate and merciful. This is who our king is. And so if you ask the question, what does it matter who your king is? Well, I guess it doesn't matter if you're not guilty. If you're not guilty, it's no big deal. You go before the king and you've 
please the king in every way. And you go before the king and he goes, oh, this is my loyal subject. The problem is we're guilty. And when you go before a king and you're guilty, what is the king going to do? And you say, I don't know what the king's going to do. I'll tell you what the king's going to do. Whatever he wants to And most of the time, kings didn't think about, uh, you know, I'll give them another chance. They just said, off with their heads. Off with their heads. I don't have any time for subjects like this. My kingdom is about me. And I'll do whatever I want. You think about who Herod was. And he was willing to kill babies, small children. Why? Because he was king. And I'll do what I want. That's what other kings are like. But let me tell you about the king whose name is Jesus. When he looks upon the crowds of people, he has compassion for them. He hurts for them. He's merciful. He doesn't look upon us and say, in your guilt, in your uh, terrible state, I don't have any time with you off with your heads. He, he, he shows compassion and mercy. And so as I think about uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus, there's a reason to celebrate. It's because he's the king. And it's not just because he's the king. It's because of what kind of king he is. But it's not even just because of what kind of king he is. It's because he's my king. It's because he's my king. He's the one that has allowed me the compassionate and mercy that I did not deserve. This is why Jesus came. And as I think about Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Christ, uh, one of the words that flows out and is in all these songs is joy. Why? Because Jesus has come. And he's compassionate and merciful. And he wants to display that in you. I love the last few words of that verse where it talks about he he looked upon the crowds and he said they're like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus came to be that shepherd, the king that was also shepherd for us. Let's pray. If any of you are struggling with your position before him, your relationship to him, that he would be your king. I'd love to talk to you after about that. Grateful that we can have a king worthy to be served, compassionate and merciful. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to walk through your word. God, I pray that we would cling to Jesus, the one true king, the one worthy of our lives. And we would love to be your loyal subjects. We would love to be walking with you. We would love to be covered in your compassion and mercy. God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.